0: at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining me again on another podcast episode of Shock Your Potential, the business podcast that focuses on excellence and leadership, Sales and the customer experience. And as you know by now, I like to have a myriad of guests from all different kinds of organizations and businesses so that we really have a flavor of not only what different businesses and groups are out there, but how no matter what we do, at the core, we're often very much the same. So today I have a very special guest and I've known this person for a few years now, worked with her in another organization where I was a VP of sales and had to really take a strong, hard look at how we were hiring, who we were hiring and how we were making sure to attain and retain top talent. And she was invaluable to me then. And I would like to have her be able to share a little bit about uh, what she does and who she is. So I want to... And welcome today, Jan Vincent with JV Consulting. So Jan, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Michael. I very much appreciate you inviting me to visit with you
1: and share with you and your listeners. Thank you. Thank you. It's, yes. it's just been
0: a pleasure to know that we could uh, set aside some time for this visit. This is going to be fun, especially since it's a, a topic that we're both very, very passionate about. So I think <laughs> we're going to have a really good time with this. So Jan, Agreed. So, Jan, why don't you tell uh, my listeners a little bit about yourself and about what you do for a living? Well, I guess my professional background
1: uh, has always been grounded in performance improvement and overall talent management. I actually, Michael, began this specialty over 25 years ago. At that time, I started working with a Fortune 500 professional services firm, and I was responsible for providing talent development support for all the practices at the firm as well as many of the firm's client companies. So it meant, Michael, that at times I would work with the mergers and acquisitions group or maybe risk management or uh, perhaps tax services or sales and marketing or, this is interesting, being outsourced to support a client company's, quote, people needs. (laughs) But, Michael, I can tell you the fun part of that, which I think you, you will appreciate, was that each practice at the firm, had different hiring and development goals. So I got to conceptualize and write and deliver programs that address a variety of business topics and uh, the goals overall at the organization,
0: as well as the challenges. I love it. And, you know, leadership development is one of those elements that sometimes people think is really reserved only for people who have a leader title or a management title. And yet leadership development, development of your people, it doesn't matter what position you're in, the ability to pull out one's best opportunities as well as continue them in their journey is something that can be invaluable not only to that current company, but to that person's entire career.
1: Absolutely. Amen. It's about seeing each person's potential and the potential leader in each person. Um, One of our signature programs that was mandatory at the firm for all employees was uh, customer service excellence. Uh, It was an overriding value, Michael, for all employees, whether uh, externally or internally client-serving employees. And that's interesting, Michael, because at the time, People, uh, the, the firm was delineated by client-serving professionals or in-house support professionals. What the in-house support people didn't realize was that they, too, were
0: client-serving. Only their clients were internal. Right, absolutely. Their customer wears many faces in a large organization.
1: Mm-hmm, without a doubt. So, um you know, I'm, I'm always passionate about talking about my love for this work, specifically, Michael, helping organizations and employees at all levels to grow, to meet their potential. Uh, that's what really prompted me to start
0: my own practice over 15 years ago. Fabulous. Now, let me ask you something, because I heard you say that when you worked with this company that you were dealing with issues where each of these individual companies had substantially different platforms for leadership development and em- mm-hmm. employee, employee engagement. And I, I would mm-hmm, assume that would mean mm-hmm. hiring processes. So you and I have both seen a lot of different organizations. I have my own opinion on this, but I'd like to know from your perspective, why is it do you think that companies have such vastly different ways of approaching Hiring, developing, and and sometimes uh, you know correcting or terminating employees. Why why are there so many differences out there?
1: Well, that's an interesting question, Michael. And I think certainly if I if I think back to uh, my years with this professional services firm, in their case, uh, the the umbrella name of the firm actually oversaw so many different practices with so many different goals, so many different avenues to those goals, that it, it just naturally was that each practice had their own unique style of working. And that was part of the culture at the organization. If you look at today's organizations where they're trying to develop a culture, I think the biggest challenge that I face with organizations who are trying to develop their culture is that there's no plan in place or a plan that really doesn't strategically make sense. And most times people are not on the same page. Absolutely, That can present a, a, a real problem that actually we work at my firm to try to
0: overcome. And I that's so important to recognize because the way I look at it, and you can tell me whether you think I'm, I'm right or not, is that I think that many businesses place this key component especially in the hiring process at a lower level of importance and and what i mean by that is i think they all believe it's important how do we fi- find the right people how do we hire them the right way how do we move them through their their career with our organization and so it's easy to say it's very important, but in reality, I don't see a lot of time and attention given to it. And what I mean by that is it's it's one thing to have a mandate or policies or books written, but it's another thing to make sure that, for instance, your frontline leaders know how to interview someone, You know that they're asking questions that are consistent, You know that we're really looking for the ideal employee for an organization so that we have a right fit on both ends, rather than let's get a body in this chair because we need a body in the chair and I think that the, sometimes those are really conflicting uh, balances about what's important and it's easy to say one and not as easy to do the other I don't know what are your thoughts on that
1: another great observation Michael uh, you know it's interesting I have found that um, organizations of all sizes and and uh, certainly uh, many of the very large uh, some very major companies uh, where you wouldn't expect it, actually approach hiring from panic mode. And what Mm -hmm. I mean by that, Michael, is that if somebody resigns, particularly a key person, everybody goes into panic mode because they don't have any bench strength. And as you said, oftentimes, Michael, they don't make uh, the time to develop a strategic approach to hiring that makes sense. Uh, You're right, on a theoretical level, They all know that hiring is important. Uh, They recognize, at least most do, that people, the right people, are the backbone of the organization. But yet I don't see any strategic approach at many organizations. And actually, Michael, that's what we try to correct. Uh, We like to make our clients' businesses and careers less stressful and more profitable by supporting uh, that, that element that is so fundamental to success, and it doesn't always happen. Uh, oftentimes, they feel that they, there's cost involved, perhaps, that they don't want to invest in, but what they don't realize is that that investment, it might be their most critical investment to ensure that that
0: company not only thrives, but continues to grow. It's so important that we take a step back at times and realize that costs are viewed differently at times. So an upfront cost or a an additional cost might seem daunting to people unless you really have the data to show whether or not you have retention issues or you you know have a high turnover or do you have the right people. I always would say that- I knew I made a good hire if I had the right person in the right position doing the right things. And the right person was the most important aspect of that. Because if I had the right person in the wrong position or doing the wrong things, and that was my problem, I that I was at fault for that. But if I didn't have the right person, it didn't matter what position or what they were doing. They're not the right fit. And those things can be very costly when, within companies, And but we don't always see those costs because they're not necessarily tracked in a way that we have a measurable outcome for it.
1: You're absolutely right, and I love that you pointed this out, because I'm not surprised because I know you to be a thought leader, Michael. (laughs) Thank you. That's the truth. (laughs) But um, data is incredibly important, and um, Mm -hmm. that's one of the areas that we get into with our clients. In fact, uh, when we work with clients to actually create a performance model for each role that they're hiring for, we actually request that they share data with us on their top performers, on their average performers. If you remember, we did that with the organization where we both collaborated.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: We need the data on our performance so that in that way we can create a performance model that they can use then when they're looking at candidates and assessing candidates, which is another big part of the services we offer, when they're assessing candidates, we then can compare the candidates' scores with that model that was actually predicated, created on the data that they provided to us. And what what I love about this, Michael, and again, I know you're going to appreciate this mm-hmm. and, re- and recall it, we are able then to Come back to the organization in three months, six months, a year, and be able to revisit the model we created, revisit the data, and ensure that their return on investment is what it needs to be. And if we need to make refinements, we do that. So you're absolutely right, Michael. Data is critical. Having a strategic plan with data to back it up, continuously viewing the data is absolutely essential.
0: Absolutely. It is so. And as you were talking, I was remembering as we created those, because it was such an eye opening experience, especially to introduce you and your team to my highest performing sales reps at the time throughout the company and across the US. And you can tell by the numbers of what they sold that they ranked highest, but some of the behavioral uh, mm. critical factors that we found in that, that, that tied those people together. They weren't all the exact same personality, but what the common themes were so very clear um, mm. that I don't know why I didn't see it before. And I know that you know for me, it was great, but it was also so critical to look at against another applicant and say, do you really stack up against my high performers in this very specialized industry? Or do, or do you not really fit? Because it's a lot better to figure that out before you put them in and entrust them with the revenue targets of your company.
1: Without a doubt. And uh, oftentimes managers who were busy like you were and in many different directions and responsible for uh, um, a whole portfolio of uh, different areas of uh, Managers are not – we don't expect managers to uh, see these things. That's our job. Right. We come in and look at what's going on. And then when managers see the information in black and white, then uh, and we talk about it. We reach solutions and we talk about tweaks and how we can refine. But it's, it's again, all about uh, seeing what's going on, having support in understanding uh, what your uh, performers in the organization are achieving what they're not achieving, and how we can continuously make changes and grow.
0: I so think, I, you know, go ahead. I just now go ahead and finish your thought, and then I'll come back and ask my question.
1: I was going to say because um, I think early on when you um, were asking about uh, the customer service uh, at, um, aspect of our organization, I think and and what what shocks our cust customer service. I think Michael, the shocker for most organizations that work with us is that we give 250% (laughs) to make certain they find, hire, keep, and grow great people. Uh, That's accomplished through our years of business experience and the use of the proven, powerful, easy-to-use systems and tools that we incorporate into our work. I think that um, clients expect naturally uh, quality work. But I think that they're kind of shocked when they, they get that um, that sense uh, that this is not just about a quick relationship. This is about caring. Uh, today, tomorrow, next year, and as long as our relationship continues.
0: Absolutely. And I I just was kind of giggling to myself as you were talking because I I think there is quite a shocking element to it. A lot of businesses too that use, I don't know what the talent acquisition now is, is the correct title rather than a uh, recruiter, but talent acquisition, whether or not you're hiring from outside or you're building a team with from within, there's still this sense, especially with busy managers of, please just send me the right people. And that's a great thing to say, but it really takes more time and attention than even putting one person on it to go quote-unquote recruit talent, it takes a combined focus on what exactly are you looking for, what marks success in that position, and how am I going to make sure to, to match that up. So taking more time. So it's like I, I usually say about different elements, that sometimes there's things that take much more time, but it's so much more valuable to your payoff in the end to take the time and the attention and focus up front to have the payoff last longer and longer and longer.
1: Absolutely. What we try to do is make the whole process of hiring and development uh, easier for our clients. Once we've helped them spend less time finding and selecting great people, Michael, we then help them to be much smarter about these people how their new employees think, Mm -hmm. what you can expect from them, how they will behave on the job, what are their real interests, will they be motivated to do the job, how will they fit at the organization, and how employers and managers can work with their new employees and incumbents as well to bring out their best. You know, our clients, Michael, are often amazed and, yes, shocked, I love that word, shocked, <laughs> to learn, There, they really are, to learn that this can be, all this can be accomplished by uncovering objective information that is impossible to learn from resumes and interviews alone. And, and here's what also not only knocks their socks off, but shocks their socks off, Michael.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: At JV, the principles of of that original client service excellence uh, value and a program that was mandatory that I wrote for my firm 25 years ago, that original program, that's fundamental to how we work at JV. The concept was at the time, Michael, and it still is, to make super colossal, gigantic fans out of every client. We want clients to have such a great experience that they want to recommend us. And if we ever fall short, Michael, I can tell you, we want our clients to know that we will work our daundest to make it right no matter what it takes. So I think that's the biggest shocker uh, to uh, clients who might have had some uncomfortable, uh, maybe unproductive experiences of uh, working with other uh, professionals. Uh, they, they come to us
0: and they feel the love. That's fantastic. and that that is what makes a difference with everybody. Everybody wants to be heard and they want to know mm-hmm. that they're valued for it. So mm-hmm. on that line, you know if you think to experiences that you've had individually, can you think of a really poignant experience, whether it's leadership or sales or a customer experience that you've been the recipient of that has really stayed with you and and shocked you know your <laughs> shocked you at that time, but that has really become a part of who you are and what you do today?
1: Another great question, Michael, and with your permission, I'm going to share two experiences uh, that come to mind that really stand out. They jump out at me. On the customer service side, Michael, some years ago, and I think I shared this with you at another point in time, but I think it's uh, you'll agree that it, it's worth sharing again. Some years ago, I purchased an upright carpet cleaning machine at Amazon. You know, those machines that look like a vacuum cleaner? Yeah, And uh, the thing worked great for two years, and then suddenly it just died. And I called Amazon about it, and lo and behold, they cheerfully refunded the full amount, which was a few hundred dollars. Now, mind you, that was after two years.
0: I couldn't believe it when you told me that story. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So I was shocked. I was shocked. It's such a wonderful demonstration of commitment to their customers. Amazon stood 100% behind the product, and from that day forward, I always sing Amazon's praises. So I think that stands out for me. Just the same as the story that's probably been around for years and years about Neiman Marcus uh, having some customers who wore who had feet that had different sizes. Mm-hmm. So one the, the right foot was like a seven and the left foot was a seven and a half or eight. and they went out of their way to make certain that they provided their customers, the proper sizes, even though it was a pair of shoes that they needed to actually hunt for to make certain that that it fit their clients, their customers. So that's another great customer service one. Regarding Michael, a positive leadership experience that shocked me. I had a boss who I loved a great deal because he combined powerful business acumen with great kindness and, and great humanity. And I recall a time When we were working, this is at this firm where I was responsible for um, uh, all the talent development at the organization. We were working together on a project nonstop and, uh, you know, coming in at 7.30 in the morning and leaving every day at 9 or 10 at night. Those were the days, Michael, when I I never saw the sun. (laughs) Well, one day. i had a few of those. (laughs) I bet. One day, I suggested to my boss that he take an afternoon break and go to the gym, to which he agreed, and a few hours later, there I was, knee-deep, Michael, in charts and graphs and presentations, and in walks my boss with a big smile on his face, holding up two giant ice cream cones, (laughs) (laughs) sprinkle, you know, that's a visual, sprinkles and all, and he handed one to me, and he said, Jan, I know how hard you've been working. I took my gym break. Now you need an ice cream break. (laughs) That's wonderful. I love it. It it was wonderful, Michael. And (laughs) I'll tell you something. I was surprised. I was shocked. I was appreciative. But you know what that did? It made me even more ready to work harder and help him and help our team make the project a great success. So for me, Michael, This is leadership par excellence. It's Mm -hmm. about making direct reports feel
0: recognized and appreciated. You know it well. It goes such a long way. Absolutely. I don't know how many times every day I end up making the statement, we are all human beings. And we have to recognize that we are all human beings. Employee, manager, husband, wife, child, parent, whatever. We're all humans, which means that we're going to make mistakes. But if we look at each other and realize that we're human beings, we're going to gain so much more credibility and I guess commitment to who we are, whatever the position, whatever the role in life, whatever the relationship. And that's yeah. so important. What a great story. <laughs> now it makes me want to go out and get ice cream, even though it's like cream. 10 <laughs> degrees.
1: <laughs> and you know why you recognize all that, Michael, because you have a very high level of, of emotional intelligence. And I find if you look at leaders, you can have uh, two leaders who both have great credentials. Uh, One may have even uh, greater credentials than another. I'm talking about academic credentials, business experience. But if you look at these two leaders, the one who has the greatest level of emotional intelligence is going to be the one who succeeds. I agree. It's it's not about intelligence quotients. It's not about your IQ. It's about your
0: EQ. I agree. How do you relate to people? Do you you agree? I know you agree because I know you. Agree. <laughs> I do, and I and in my head I'm going. Thank goodness it's not about IQ because <laughs> I might not win on that one. <laughs> well, no, no, I don't
1: know about that. All right. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you for that compliment. But I, I think it it just goes back to just being aware. And I think that's one of the things that I'm really trying to accomplish with these podcasts is to show the similarities, but also to drive home the key components of how we're all how we all can be successful and more successful in our businesses, in our personal lives, our professional lives, just by being more aware and looking around. So let me ask you this question. Now, knowing what you know now and looking back, especially on that uh, very uh, important part of your career way back then, and it doesn't have to be from then, but, you know, the question I always ask is, you know, if you could tell your younger self uh, something that would make a difference, uh, make you even stronger, move faster, you know, shocked your potential even greater, just one and it doesn't mean that you have to have done anything differently or that, uh, that there's any mistakes, but just really the question of what do you wish you would have known earlier that would have gotten you past some, some bumps to the success that you're at now faster?
1: Oh, wow. I love that question. <laughs> I
0: probably
1: <laughs> would have advised the Jan of many years ago to not be afraid to ask for guidance. There you there. know, I thought I knew myself deep down. And you know, Michael, most people believe they know themselves, and to a great degree, we do. We know what we like to eat, and we know what color we like, and uh, you know where we like to go on vacation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But oftentimes, I find in my work, since I'm, it's it's so closely aligned with human behavior, and I get to meet so many people. I I find that people really don't know how they're wired deep down and I didn't understand how I was wired until I actually began Michael studying psychometrics and uh, that now that's a big part of my work but Mm -hmm. it's about understanding how people tick and I I didn't know how I was ticking I knew I was highly independent but what I didn't realize was that was at the root of my refusal to ask for help Uh yes so had I known how this trait was working against me, and, you know, I always say to people, Michael, um, when we learn a little bit about how they're wired, uh, uh, their core, what, what's going on at their core, I always say to them, come away from our conversation and ask yourself, after you assimilate all the information, is how I'm wired working for me mm-hmm. or is it working against me? hmm Had I known how this trait of independence was working against me, I would have been able to stretch outside my comfort zone rather than thinking I could do it all on my own without some occasional advice. It would have saved me a tremendous amount of angst. I'm happy to report, as I've grown older and been in the field a long time, Uh, I've since learned it's okay to ask for guidance. Mm -hmm. But that was a real uphill battle for me and caused me many uh,
0: difficult moments. So, as you were talking, I was thinking about how, you know, decades ago in the start of my career, and probably very similar to where you were earlier in your career. I think that often asking for help and guidance was really seen as a negative, especially for women, that if we if we showed it, it was like showing your soft underbelly, you know, that it showed that you were weak and trying to climb the corporate ladder, at least for me. I felt the exact same way, Jan. Like I have to do this. I have to do it on my own. I have to carry all this on my back and I have to do it while being a wife and being a mother and having a clean house, which didn't, that one didn't always get there. (laughs) That that one was off. That might've been the last thing on the list. But it really did a disservice to me. And I think, you know, to you as well as you're talking through it, that there's such power in being able to say, you know hey i'd like to just uh, take you out to lunch you know mr or mrs so and so and and pick your brain on your career path or this challenge that i'm f- facing and today we have dialogues in a much different way but it makes me kind of curious because i work with so many specifically like younger meaning not younger age wise although many of them are but younger in their career retail managers and I wonder how many of them feel the same way. Like, I really want to develop myself, but I don't know who to ask the question because I don't want to appear weak and I don't want to appear like I don't know what I'm doing. I th- I wonder if it's, in my head, it was just something that we faced decades ago, or does it still prevail today and you and I are just comfortable going, I don't know, I'm going to go ask somebody. Well, that's that's <laughs> great observation. I love your candor. Um, I always
1: have, and I I think uh, years ago you're right. It was um, it was I linked my particular uh, not wanting to ask for guidance, uh, aside from the fact that I was just basically an independent person who liked to set my own direction. I, um, I link it to some insecurity. Uh, I link it to the fact, you're right, Michael, it's a gender thing. As a woman, I felt I needed to prove something, particularly working in an organization that was predominantly male. Mm-hmm. I felt I needed to prove something. I think you're right there. I have a great deal of hope for today's generation. Uh, the millennial generation, mm-hmm. I find, um, uh, is not worried about appearing weak or not knowing, for the most part. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, Uh, I I think you might agree that a lot of this comes from the individual's basic psychological makeup, but I think that combined with external forces that they've grown up with, uh, the weakness and the not knowing and, and showing their vulnerabilities is not necessarily something that we have to worry about. In the millennial generation, I see that played out all the time. In fact, I must admit that there are some millennials I've worked with. This is not um, uh, labeling the entire generation, but there are some who I've worked with at client organizations where they actually feel great power and knowledge and um, uh, a a sense of all-knowing and all-being. And so I see a great and I think you know what I mean there. You must yourself. Um, I, 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 but I think there's great uh, hope for this generation uh, to go forward with a completely different mindset than the generations prior to them. And that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, I hope so. You know, and I I think that, um, you know, like you said, we we each learn things, you know, because of our time and our tenure. But at the basis, it really does come down to our personalities and what are our core drivers and what are the what are the little things working on our psyches, which I think now we've established you and I are both crazy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hope crazy in a good way. And I'll tell crazy you something, if way. I had to keep company with a fellow crazy, <laughs> I, I don't think I would uh, pick anyone other than you. So. <laughs>
0: Fabulous. So. You say that now until you're locked into a room with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We'll try it. So as we get close to the end here, let me ask you, you know, from where you are in your company right now, and the uh, various clients that you're working with, what's the greatest challenge that you face as a company right now in terms of shocking your continued success and shocking your potential for the future?
1: Well, another great question. I I, I think for us, Michael, the base, Biggest challenge uh, is is misinformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, often people are not informed. So, um, as I mentioned, um, psychometrics and assessment work is a big component of our services. And when people hear the word assessment, they immediately think of personality tests. Mm-hmm. And our goal, Michael, is to educate business people. Uh, there are literally hundreds of personality tests out there, and not one of them could provide the reliable objective data that there's that word data again right that organizations need to address every phase of the talent management continuum and oftentimes i find it this is really interesting that people internally don't oftentimes Recognize what comprises the talent management continuum. Yeah. And it's everything from selection and hiring to effectively onboarding, uh, coaching, developing employees, workforce planning, all the way through, Michael, to evaluating promotions and success, succession planning. Yes. This isn't something that can be accomplished with a personality test. And that's so I'm always having to uh, educate and inform that what we provide to our clients is in no way a personality test. So what we do, Michael, is we work strategically to overcome this lack of understanding by sharing how incorporating a scientifically sound assessment instrument into an organization's talent management process can actually add, Michael, immeasurably to the goals and the profitability at the organization, and you know, another thing people are surprised at with us is they'll say, "Which industry do you specialize in?" And we 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 have um, industries, uh, some that are are greater than others in our client portfolio, uh, but basically uh, the work is across all industry sectors, uh, at organizations of all sizes. Well,
0: that's the challenge. Uh, misinformation. It's so important to recognize that because one of the, it's, let's just say you're lucky enough to use the right tools and have the right support to hire the right person. The next question I always ask is, Can you be confident that you have trained that person? And how many times have you and I both talked to companies, worked with companies where the training process was virtually nothing? You show up, you know, or here's a manual. And I've, I've been guilty of it myself before in the past too, when things are running, 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 but how can we, how can we fault an employee that is the right person in the right mix who doesn't succeed in a job when we didn't do that job to get them there and we we bear such responsibility and yet i think it is so often overlooked so i guess what i'm saying is the responsibility of us as leaders in an organization to really do all the steps and not stop after just one because if you if you stop too soon you've still you still failed that employee failed the company you know, you failed yourself and your opportunity, and yet it takes some extra work, doesn't it?
1: It absolutely does. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. This leads me to uh, why I actually incorporated psychometric tools into my practice. Uh, I was originally, as I, I discussed, uh, training development, mm-hmm. and I found over the years uh, doing this um, with the organization where I had the greatest tenure, I found over those years that you could have the best uh, training programs, but if it's not reinforced, when that person gets back to his or her desk, then the organization has thrown out money. Absolutely. And I, I felt at that point, you're absolutely right, it's not the employee's fault if you're setting them up to fail. I You could have the best employee, in my case, the, the candidate, uh, who match the uh, uh, the um, model, the performance model that we customize for the role, which is actually the organization's standard of excellence for the position. You could have the best candidate on paper and then the person comes into the organization and there's no reinforcement. there's no um, there's no attention to, uh, the results that we acquired from the uh, assessment tool, uh, there's no follow up to coach the employee mm-hmm. yeah and and then I've had occasionally a client come back to say and say to me, I don't know. Uh, why did this person fail?
0: <laughs> we <laughs> uh, you know, we it, used your, your uh, development tools and assessment, to, or not development tools, assessment tools. Um, but they so are anyway.
1: development. They <laughs> are development. That wasn't an error. They are development tools as well. And that's. it's always interesting because I always answer that question if, if uh, they find that a, uh, a candidate who they thought would be great and we felt on uh, the assessment work that we did, which really is only one-third of the one decision piece, process. right? One when piece. You, but it's a critical third because it's like an iceberg in the ocean. Yep. Uh, you see 10% that's above the, uh, the sea, but you don't see that 90% that's below the water, mm-hmm. and that's what you get when you use an assessment instrument that's sound and reliable. Mm-hmm. So that said, I always say to managers, Michael, when they say to me "Um, I'm not sure that person's working out or why did that person fail my first answer is always that there are so many variables that go into success in a in a position and I can actually with my work Michael guarantee 75% assurance that's fantastic I can but if I'm asked Michael how come not 100 um, you know, my question is, uh, the only thing that I can guarantee 100% are um, death and taxes. Yep,
0: exactly. And, uh,
1: so, you know, the the thing is, there are many variables to uh, a successful performer. And a manager has a great deal to do with that. You know the old saying, Michael, people don't leave organizations, they leave managers.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I've had a few leave me for that reason. <laughs>
1: Well, that's why I just said I love your candor. I love I, that's one of the things that makes you endearing and, and somebody who can be trusted because um, you don't take yourself that seriously. I love
0: that about you. That's why you're a successful professional. Well, thank you very much. Well, Jan, this has been a pleasure and I know that we just hit hit the top of the iceberg with this. So I will make sure to have all of your website information on the show notes for the episode, but I know people can also find you at jvconsults.com. Am I correct with that? That's correct. Wonderful. And I'll have everything else for them there. I think it's really important to know that if people are just interested in what you do and what you can do for their organizations, that you'll also have a phone call with them or a meeting with them that's no charge just to be able to learn more about them. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. In fact, that's another shocker to a lot of uh, new clients. Um, We often, where appropriate, Michael, provide complimentary work Mm -hmm. because I believe it's about the relationship, whether it's professional or personal. It's about... Uh, contributing to a relationship. So um, absolutely, complimentary consultation. And um, going forward, uh, I I hope people will get the sense of how much we care about what their needs are.
0: Absolutely. And I know I can attest to it myself for having the opportunity to work with you long ago and uh, still being connected today. I really appreciate it. Any last uh, words or thoughts that you want to share with the audience before we wrap up? I think I'd like to share that
1: Michael said to me, this is going to be fun, and um, <laughs> you were absolutely right. It has been great fun. It was. It's a wonderful way to go into uh, the latter part of the day. Uh, thank you for being so hospitable. I appreciate
0: every moment. Thank you so much. I really have appreciated having you here, and we will be talking again soon. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.